Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. New on Curiosity Stream. This bear's walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Hello, welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark, your host of Education in the News. Welcome back, and let's get right on into it. We have a lot to cover, as usual. So, um, the first bit of news that I have for you is actually from Facebook posts through Great great Homeschool Conventions, and um, Texas is planning a homeschooling convention in Round Rock, Texas. And it's going to be July 7th through the 9th, 2022. They're going to have a huge exhibit hall full of homeschool curriculum and resources to browse and shop, dozens of outstanding speakers, and info-packed workshops. So if you want to look into that, greathomeschoolconvention.com or just look up Texas Homeschooling Convention. And then they have some other, um, you know, offerings on there. And this um, this one posted kind of struck a chord with me because, you know, we all know there's something very wrong with, uh, you know, the public schools and the way that they that most of them teach, especially well, mostly compulsory schools. And um, but you know, a lot of times teachers feel like they're the direct target of of that blame and um, they had made a post that I, I thought was kind of important to share because I think it is how we we all 
Phil, I don't think that most people blame the teachers as part of a bigger system that's corrupted and um, isn't doing by, right by the children. So um, they had made this, this post about, I don't know if this is a show. I know I've heard about it, but I haven't looked into it yet. It's, um, I think it's some kind of new show, but it's Whose Children Are They? Or it's a documentary or something that is recently coming out. And they have, they start with the teachers. They want to indoctrinate us before they come after your children. And that was a quote from a Fairfax County, Virginia teacher, Lilith Vanitzian. I hope I said that right. But <clears throat> I think it's important to recognize on this education program as well that good teachers are the victims of unions just as much as the children are, and many of them are not at fault for the current nightmare plaguing our schools. This is I'm reading from this too, but I agree with it. Instead, they've been used as pawns by the so-called teachers' unions and blamed because the unions claim to represent them. Lila Van Vanitsian um, and other phenomenal teachers are speaking out about their experiences and whose children are they. So I guess it is going to be in movie theaters starting on March 14th. Um, so you can look it up on whosechildrenarethey.com if you want to learn some more about that. Um, I'd like to see it as well. So hopefully um, I'll be able to do that. Maybe I can report a little bit more about what I think of the movie. Uh, they have a lot of really great resources. I, I receive their emails as well. But it seems like they obviously post more and share more via their Facebook page at Great Homeschool Conventions. And um, there was just um, a few things I wanted to share. There's also um, a convention coming up in Cincinnati, Ohio. And that's going to be April 21st through the 23rd. And pretty much same thing. Huge exhibit hall full of homeschool curriculum and resources to browse and shop. Dozens of outstanding speakers and info-packed workshops. So you could look that up. Same site as I've mentioned before. Just look up Cincinnati, Ohio Homeschool Convention. Let me see if there's some others. Um, there's one in St. Charles, Missouri. <clears throat> and it is... Actually, coming up really soon, uh, March 24th through the 26th. So this episode, um, gosh, this episode will probably be sh um, shared right after that. So I apologize for that. And let's see if there's any others after this episode. Here's one in Ontario, California. Homeschool Convention, June 16th through the 18th. And you can look up California Homeschool Conventions or the Great Homeschool Con Conventions for that. Same thing. Same type of wording again. And let me see if there's any others to share. You can also, of course, look up your own area. Just type it into the web. You know, type in um, wherever you live in Homeschool Conventions. And I'm sure things will pop up. Um, your closest one to you. And then I believe Homeschool World also shares a lot of conventions and events and stuff 
on their site so you can check that out and um, you know to be to, to search individually they have all kinds of group activities events and they've been doing that for years and that's a very good site as well <clears throat> so switching over here to the next topic so on a moment this next uh, story I have for you is from Homeschool Legal Defense weekly update and this is um, one report they had was 30 minutes is all it took to prove the homeschool family followed the law public school officials wanted to know more about what these homeschool parents intended to teach their 18 year old son so they took the family to court so let's learn a little bit more about this story I'm trying to open it I've got to always switch between a lot of screens here Right. Um, so a veteran homeschool family in Pennsylvania received a surprising start to their school year, a summons to court. This was written by staff attorney Peter Kamaka Wewool Esquire. That's, that's, <laughs> I probably butchered that name a little bit, but um, again, homeschool legal defense. Says the family who had homeschooled for more than two decades and are members of the homeschool legal defense started the year as they had started every other by filing their end of the year evaluation for last school year. Along with the homeschool affidavit and learning objectives for the new academic term, school district officials acknowledged receipt of these documents but said that the school learning objectives were not complete because several subjects were missing. The mother explained that her son was graduated, a graduating senior who had already completed those subjects. Additionally, he was already 18, which meant he was no longer required by law to attend school. The district respo responded by filing a complaint accusing the mother of violating Pennsylvania compulsory school attendance statute. The complaint, or the complaint did not allege that the parent had failed to submit a homeschool affidavit or were not teaching their son. The sole issue was the list of learning objectives for their 18-year-old son did not include enough subjects. Making a statement in court, the, the family contacted Homeschool Legal Defense Association when they received the complaint and a summons to court. At their trial... This attorney argued that the family was innocent for three reasons. First, there was no question that the family had filed everything required by Pennsylvania law. Sorry about that. They filed their evaluation for the previous school year, which showed that the student had made adequate progress. They filed an affidavit for this school year, attesting that they would provide instruction in accordance with Pennsylvania law, and they filed their learning objectives for the subjects that the student would be taking this year. The only subjects he had yet to complete before graduating from high school. The family, the family fully complied with Pennsylvania law. Second, it is true that Pennsylvania's homeschool statute requires parents to submit learning ob objectives and also permits school districts to call a hearing when they re reasonably believe a homeschool program is out of compliance with the statute. But the statute is also clear that a district cannot call a hearing based solely on the learning objectives. In fact, 
the statute explicitly says that the required outline of proposed education objectives should not be utilized by superintendent in determining if the homeschool program is out of compliance with this section. The district's objection, based solely on those objections, was contrary to Pennsylvania law. Finally, the homeschool statute creates a special procedure for addressing compliance issues. Rather than compiling or filing a complaint, the law requires districts to provide the family with written notice of any compliance problems. The family then has 30 days to respond. If they fail to do so, the district can call an administrative hearing before an impartial hearing officer whose opinion can be appealed to the Commissioner of Education. Only then can the matter be taken by, to a judge. Here the family here the family never received a 30-day notice letter and no administrative hearing took place. In the absence of these steps, the district compliant was also contrary to Pennsylvania law. So a clear verdict. Uh, the, this attorney cross-examined the assistant superintendent for about 20 minutes. I was able to show that the principal did not have a correct understanding of the law and had brought the case to court without legal grounds. Then I presented 10 minutes of argument explaining Pennsylvania homeschool statute, after which the judge found the mother not guilty. It's unfortunate that a situation this minor was taken to court, but it is not uncommon. While homeschooling has become commonplace, there are still many school officials, prosecutors, and judges who are unfamiliar with their state's homeschool laws and the special protections that parents enjoy from both state statutes and the U.S. Constitution. That is one of the core reasons why homeschool legal defense exists and so forth. So, um, yeah, <clears throat> wow, right? What do you think of this uh, story? What, do you, what is your take on it? would love to hear your feedback. They also reported that a homeschool family was blocked from taking the SAT. Uh, let's see here. Uh, proposed legislation could change that. Every public school where Nicole Doyle tried to sign her son up to take the PSAT turned him away. Many homeschool Families report similar discrimination, and we're working to change that, they say. So let's see where this person lived. So not only are they being blocked from the PSAT, but the ACT and the AP as well. And this is in Georgia. Georgia um, homeschool high school student. Um, now, I will say, I don't think homeschool families should be taking those tests anyways. I mean, there's now, you know, the classic learning test, but I think it's far superior than, than these tests. And I really do think the others are kind of on the outs. Um, and I'm not talking about the AP courses. I'm talking about the actual tests, the PSAT and the ACT and all that. Um, but again, nobody should be blocked from doing anything. It's the parents' decisions on what kind of tests they want their child to take, and they certainly shouldn't be discriminated against, but I just wanted to share um, my advice on the tests. So, 
Anyways, um, this Georgia family, the the parent added that the situation especially was frustrating because their family had no legal recourse. Doyle's not alone in her experience. Uh, Homeschool families in several states have asked the Homeschool Legal Defense Association to help them sort out similar college placement exam access issues over the last two years. COVID-19 highlighted discrimination that has been taking place for years against homeschoolers who want to take these tests, said homeschool legal defense attorney or staff attorney Dan Beasley. Homeschool legal defense is trying to change that. These results prompted Beasley to write non-discrimination texts based on laws that have been enacted in Tennessee, Maryland, Nevada, Texas, and Virginia. With state legislators convening in many states, Homeschool Legal Defense Administration is encouraging lawmakers to take action. They hope to see bills based on non-discrimination model introduced in several states this year. <clears throat> and of course, they go on to discuss how you know this is putting these students and their opportunities at stake. And then looking beyond Cal, um, or high school and into college, you know, that how this was really disrupting their lives. We'll be posting both of these stories on our social media and um, in our next magazine, which would be, um, I believe, the May 1st edition. So you can read about those in their entirety um, in those ways if you would like. You can also just look them up on Homeschool Legal Defense's websites. So, let me see if there's any others here. From them, I mean. No, there isn't. Alright. The next story I have for you is from Smart Brief on Special Education. This says, District number of students with IEPs on the rise. The number of students with individualized education programs or plans in Lee County, Florida, has increased since last year, says Teresa Bowen, the District Exceptional Student Education Director. Part of the increase is an uptick in students requiring behavioral support, Bowen told school board members. The full story can be found at North Fort Myers Neighbor in Cape Coral, Florida. And um, Education Week reports that superintendent starts telehealth program in Royal District, rural district, excuse me. Ben Thigpen, superintendent of Jones County Public School in rural North Carolina, sought to fill a need for health care access by introducing a telehealth program. Students can access healthcare professionals virtually from their school for everything from an ear infection to nutritional counseling. In Holland Sentinel in Michigan reports that libraries Magic Table offers engaging learning. A Magic Table at the Howard Miller Public Library in Zeeland, Michigan uses interactive projected images to engage children with disabilities in cognitive tasks. The Tover Toffel, imported from the Netherlands, features games that helps users improve memory and motor skills.
And then the Montclair local in New Jersey reports that podcast depicts life-raising children with disabilities. A licensed clinical social worker, Alma Snyder and Iris Myler, a certified rehabilitation counselor, have started the Two Moms No Fluff video and podcast series to support and advocate for parents whose children have disabilities. Quote, we're disclosing our personal joys and our personal challenges and pain in the hopes that people will hear us and changes will be made, Snyder says. Just a moment, please, while I switch again to the next story. And let me check our time. I think it's about time for a commercial. Yes, it is. So um, I bring up the next story. I'll play the next commercial and we'll be right back. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly Scholar Newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. When Big Mobile charges you an arm and a leg, they're taking your money and your power. And your arm and leg. Boost Mobile gives your power back with an unlimited plan for $25 a month on one of America's largest 5G networks. We can't give you back your arm and your leg because we're not qualified surgeons. Unless you're an iguana who can grow limbs back. Switch to Boost and get an unlimited plan for $25 a month. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. New customers only. One line, $25 per month with auto pay. Additional restrictions apply. See BoostMobile.com for details. Hello. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark, your host of Education in the News, and we're going through news stories, and uh, we're going to get right back into it again. Still lots to cover. So, um... See, I tried to bring up the next one. There's a lot of repeats, as usual. This is from uh, the Foundation Center, and it's from Virginia Commonwealth University. They report that they've received $104 million for research. The largest gift in VCU's history will enable the university to accelerate implementation of several priorities of the Institute for Liver Disease and Metabolic Health, which was publicly launched in December. And the Mark Foundation received $500 million commitment for cancer research. Since establishing the foundation in 2017, Alex Naster has pledged more than $650 million towards its efforts to enable a scientific discoveries and help accelerate the development of those discoveries into new treatments, preventions, and cures for cancer patients. Bezos awards nearly $100 million in Amazon shares. <coughs> Excuse me. The Amazon founder has awarded $99.2 million of the company's shares to unnamed nonprofit organizations. 
and the Lumina Foundation award $6.6 million for racial justice and equity. Grants were awarded to 23 national and Indianapolis-based organizations through the Foundation's $15 million Racial Justice and Equity Fund supportive efforts to disrupt systematic racism. And this is a story from ASCD Smart Brief. And it's a report, or the story, the stories were covered by the 74 and Education Week. And um, it's a study that says that one third of young students behind in reading. Intensive support is needed to help roughly one third of children in kindergarten through third grade who are not reading at grade level. According to a study by the testing group Amplify, Kate Bauer-Jones, head of Future Forward, describes the the situation by saying there are first-grade students who do not know the alphabet. For other numbers, other statistics on really how bad, I mean, it's more it's very common that people can't read, even as adults. So the National Literacy Directory, I think they keep up pretty good with statistics if you want to look into that. Um, that's where I get some of my statistics from when I'm looking for a grant and so forth. <clears throat> and a West Virginia teacher earns a Melkin Educator Award. Michelle Wolf, an English teacher at East Hardy High School in West Virginia, is the first teacher in the U.S. to be recognized this year with the Malkin Educator Award. Sixty educators nationwide are expected to be honored during the 2021-2022 school year, each earning a $25,000 prize. Full stories can be found on Metro News in West Virginia, West Virginia Public Broadcasting, and the WCHS-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. Okay, uh, this was from Smart Brief on Education. It says, how two programs merge for whole child learning help. Using whole child approach to curriculum is aided with capturing kids' heart, social, and emotional learning and the Focus Skills program that pinpoints key learning gaps, writes Dave Gibbons, a district curriculum director in Nebraska. Informal assessments are also important, Gibbons adds. And then... Honolulu Civil Beat... Uh, Honolulu Hawaii schools in Hawaii respond to a rise in violent behavior. Fights at Hawaii schools highlight the need for more mental health support. A sharp rise in disturbances on campus at the start of the school year prompted school leaders to um, adopt new strategies. In K, K, sorry. Kea, Hawaii, or Hawaii Island, when in-person classes fully resumed last fall, and the Kea 
I'm saying that wrong, hi, on the royal east side of the Hawaii Island, the school was in an in crisis. Fights between students occurred regularly. A school security guard was injured when the, they tried he tried to break up a brawl and is still on medical leave. Students filmed fights on their cell phones and posted them to social media media. It was chaotic, said the high school science teacher Charlotte Godfrey Romo. It became a competition to see who could get in the most fights. Well, the situation at Keo Awea, whatever it is, high, was improved significantly since winter break. Fights are now rare at the campus, according to staff. The surge in violent behavior last fall exposed how Hawaii schools struggled to promote or to provide mental health and trauma counseling for students following the pandemic wave. For kids living in the Royal Kea, 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 whatever, I apologize, but I'm just butchering it. <laughs> but living in the school district, one of the poorest areas of the state, the need for counseling is compounded by issues such as food insecurity, housing instability, and inadequate infrastructure, including unreliable transportation and internet access to services barriers to learning. These problems are reflected in one of the worst absenteeism rates in the state. 46% of students in the district missed 15 or more days of classes last year compared to 22% of all Hawaii students. And I know some of you are saying, it's Hawaii. No, actually, I've watched some documentaries on Hawaii and Hawaii, and uh, most uh, Hawaiians say it's Hawaii. So I've quit saying Hawaii out of respect for people that live in Hawaii that say that we... Uh, as Americans, usually mispronounce it. So if some of you think I'm mispronouncing it, I kind of challenge you, check it out. I've, I've learned a lot. I watch a lot of documentaries. So, Anyways, um, I thought you might um, get a kick out of that little bit of information along with this article, but you can look it up on civilbeat.org, this article, and read all about it if you'd like. We will be posting it on our social media and in our next magazine as well along with the other articles <clears throat> NWFTX TV in Cape Coral, Florida reports the Florida district reverses peanut free kitchen policy this month the school district of Lee County in Florida will begin serving menu items with peanut butter again after their kitchens went peanut free in 2004 Officials say labor and supply chain challenges caused them to reconsider the policy, adding that items that contain peanuts, such as uncrustables, would clearly be labeled for students. Not very nutritious food, um, that's for sure. Okay, um, there are some other ones, but... So again, some of them are repeats, so I'm trying to go through these. Okay, here's one from State and Local Education News here in Ohio. So from Ohio Department of Education. Ohioans missing out more than $80 million for college each year. 
Columbus Dispatch. Each year, Ohio students forfeit more than $80 million in free grants for further education. Stated differently, Ohioans are leaving $80 million in, on the table each year, money they could have accessed by completing a FAFSA. Specifically, our school board, superintendents, parent-teacher associations, school counselors, higher education institutions, our libraries, and local nonprofits all play a role in ensuring Ohio students do not pass up opportunities to reach their educational goals. Prior to DeWine's efforts, Ohio didn't invest in a FAFSA completion campaign. Today, we are working with dozens of nonprofits across the state. The Ohio School Counselors Association and with access organizations such as I Know I Can, College Now, Dayton Learn to Earn, and Toledo Tomorrow to increase FAFSA completion numbers in Ohio and strengthen student opportunity. They're not working with our organization, nor have they tried. And all of these have something directly to do with, you know, the public schools as well. Um... Let's see, APS Super looking for looking to add new positions. Akron.com reports that Akron Public Schools Superintendent Christine Fowler Mack presented her new organization plan for the district administration team at the February 14th APS Board of Education meeting. With several members of the current team planning retirements, Fowler Mack said she wants to add three new positions. A principal supervisor for district secondary level schools, a director of student and family services and chief operations officer. And Canton Repository reports that Michael Heron tapped to lead Fairless Local upon superintendent's retirement in 2023. Fairless Local has its future leader. The Board of Education on Tuesday night unanimously approved Michael Hearn, the current Director of Curriculum, Instruction, and Special Programs, to lead the district upon Superintendent Brock Bidlack's retirement. At the board meeting, Bidlack announced that he would retire July 31, 2023. He has served as the district's top administrator for 11 years. The Columbus Dispatch reports that everybody needs to know how to care for the, to take care of their money. HS Kids to Learn Financial Ropes. Ohio high school students will soon be required to take a semester-long financial literacy course to graduate. And school districts will have to figure out how to train teachers and offer the course. The new requirement, which applies to students entering the ninth grade after June 22nd is the most stringent and focused than how schools currently teach financial literacy. Currently, the material, money management, paying taxes, investing, managing debt, and other topics can be taught by any teacher and lumped into another course, usually social studies or mathematics. The Lima News reports that Shawnee School District officials plan for the future. Officials at the Shawnee Local School District are in the process of formulating a plan for the district's future, notably how to deal with aging schools and facilities. On Tuesday night, consultants from SHP, an architectural firm from Cincinnati, gave a detailed presentation of to the uh, Shawnee Local School Board 
members and Superintendent Jude Myers. SHP is leading the effort to address the issues with the district. The term educational visioning refers to a process that helps establish what the learning experience could be like in a school district. It is a four-step process that SHP will lead officials from the district through in determining what education models in the district might look like in the future. In Toledo, CBS 11 reports that school crossing guards help more kids cross the street amid transportation shortages. Since many schools returned in per, to in-person learning, many parents have had to navigate transportation plans for their kids, which can be tricky at times. On top of that, many districts are currently dealing with a bus driver shortage. Many routes have had to be canceled or adjusted almost every week across Northwest Ohio. Michael Hudspeth has been a crossing guard for almost 10 years. Right now, he is the crossing guard for Rosa Parks Elementary School in Toledo and said he's never seen this many kids walking to and from school. He said the best part of his job is getting to know all the kids and feeling responsible for their safety. In Portsmouth, Daily Times reports that Ohio mock trial students make their case in virtual courtrooms. Over the course of four days, more than 1,800 high school students, representing 135 schools from across Ohio, competed in the first round of the 39th annual mock trial competition, hosted in virtual format by the Ohio Center for Law-Related Education. Locally, the following districts had teams that participated in the virtual district mock trial event, Portsmouth, Portsmouth West, South Webster, Valley, Willersburg High Schools. Of those teams, the Portsmouth, Portsmouth West, and South Webster and Willersburg teams will advance to regional mock trial competition to be held February 18th. So that's already been held. We have to take another really quick commercial break, and I'll be right back. Join the New Heights Show on Education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Hello, welcome back to Education in the News. So the next story I have for you is through Middleweb Smart Brief, and it's uh, was reported from KNXV TV in Phoenix. And the program expands to help students return to classrooms. Students are quicker to ask for help since returning to in-person learning. They often prefer to work in groups, says Cynthia Cavanaugh, social emotional learning and specialist at an Arizona school. Kavanaugh teaches students various ways to cope with stress as part of the school's social-emotional program, which was established more than 10 years ago and has now expanded to help students manage the emotional challenges of the pandemic. Sorry, give me a moment. I have a lot of repeats again. 
This is a story from a virtual Black History Symposium. She organized for Sasonia organized in New York and Florida. Jennifer Engold, the 2019 NCSS middle school teacher, or history toy, wants her students to make the connection between primary source research and preparation for informed and civil disagreements. Learning about her MLK historical scene investigation activity and a virtual Black History Symposium she organized. So, gotta switch again. Just a moment. Um, let me see when this was. So these, let's see. This is something that um, the Ohio is from Ohio at updates. And it says the department seeks educators to help develop Ohio State tests by participating on assessment committees. The Ohio Department of Education is now accepting applications for participants to serve on content advisory and rubric validation committees for Ohio State tests. Ohio educators, content specialists, and other stakeholders play a vital role in creating valid and reliable assessments by serving on these committees. The committees are subject to each Ohio State's test from the Ohio State test in grade 3 ELA or Algebra 1 end of course test. Ohio educators who serve as assessment committee members represent the diversity of Ohio schools and districts, public, non-public, career technical, urban, suburban, and rural. Some may work in higher education or serve in school districts or ESCs as curriculum specialists, but the majority of the committee members are classroom teachers with varied years of teaching experience in the appropriate grade levels and areas of study. Content advisory and rubric validation committees meet on an ongoing basis to review new tests, questions, and materials as they are developed. The number and frequency of meetings depends on the volume of the new test item development, and but typically these committees meet once or twice annually. And KNXV TV in Phoenix asked the question, is online learning more challenging for English learners? The dearth of in-person, face-to-face with time with peers and teachers during online schooling has left English language learners in Arizona struggling more academically than their peers, according to the State Board of Education. Kindergarten teacher Sabrina Ramirez says educators use hand gestures to aid student comprehension, but that was difficult during online instruction. It's interesting, isn't it? You think of that article. And K-12 Dive in ZDNet uh, reports that schools are urged to promote affordable Internet access. School districts should use data gleaned during the pandemic to help spread awareness 
of the $14.2 billion affordable connectivity program to families without internet connectivity because of cost or availability issues. Jack Lynch of Education Superhighway says, since its passage in November, the fact has provided a- the act has provided access to 10 million families with low incomes, says the Biden administration. And ABC News, CNBC, National Public Radio. All reported that senators introduced Kids Online Safety Act. Two U.S. senators Wednesday introduced the Kids Online Safety Act, which aims, which aims to better protect children from potential harm caused by social media. Under the legislation, social media companies would be required to help prevent and mitigate harm to minors, including suicide and eating disorders, and enhance privacy protection and conduct and support scientific research about the effects of social media on youngsters. All right, give me a moment, sorry. Inside Higher Ed reports the digital platform connects community colleges, students, Rio Salado Community College in Temp, Temp uh, Arizona, now offers students a digital platform that lets them connect as they would on Facebook. This app, developed with the College Innovation Network, helps create a sense of community, builds school identity, and supports the mental health of students. This is from um, Classic Learning Test. We get their newsletter. If you're interested in it, you could look it up, cltexam.com. But it says that King's College cuts tuition by $16,000. And uh, let's see. So they've simplified their pricing structure, bringing tuition down from $37,000 to $21,000 for domestic students enrolling in fall in 2022 and and then later. Students will still have the opportunity to qualify qualify for merit-based and need-based scholarships to further bring down the price of tuition. This is one way that King's College is actively eliminating barriers for students of all backgrounds to get a rich faith-based education in the heart of New York City. So have they, my question is, has they lowered the costs for American students as well, or is it just domestic students. That's the only thing that they had mentioned, isn't it? Give me a moment again as I switch. This is from the foundationcenter.org. They report that ULIT Foundation um, Ahmadiyar committed $40 million to reimagine capitalism. The William and Floral Hewlett Foundation and 
OMIDYAR network will fund multidisciplinary centers that will investigate alternatives to neoliberalism at Harvard, Howard, and John Hopkins University, as well as MIT and Santa Fe Institute. moment please this is from ASCD Smart Brief in New York and this is from the Associated Press New York reports uptick in high school graduation the high school graduation rate for New York State students rose last year by 1.3 percentage points officials say it's unclear how much the state's cancellation of regents exams which students must pass to graduate, affected the increase. Excuse me. A lot of repeats again. Bear with me as I find the next article to share with you. K-12 dive reports the states are encouraged to redesign testing systems. The U.S. US Education Department this week called on states to design competency-based assessment systems that consider multiple measures of student achievement. The department also opened applications for $17.7 million in grants to help with the assessment redesign and encourage states to find new ways to share these results with parents and educators. It's called the classic learning test. That's what it's called. And talk about throwing away money. Okay. Um, wow. Just a moment, please. This is from Ohio Ed Updates, Ohio Department of Education, or Department of Education, State and Local Education News. Toledo Blade um, reports that animals help promote education with youngsters. If bot tur turtles and possums have anything in common, it's that they usually do not have a propensity to entertain large groups of children. That isn't the case with Scarlet, a 28-year-old box turtle, and Greta, a 2-year-old possum. And the Highland County Press reports that 2021-2022 school transportation grants for Ohio State House trips are, are available. The Capitol Square Review and Advisory Council and the Capitol Square Foundation are pleased to announce that 33 school district school transportation grants will be awarded for the school year. The online educate or the online applications, excuse me, will open 9 a.m. Tuesday, February 22nd through um, Monday, February 28th. So sorry, <laughs> did not realize they had shared those dates. Um, and the Scioto Post reports that Amanda Clear Creek Board Education announces new superintendent. Um, they acted to employ Dr. Timothy R. Edwards as superintendent of schools effective August the 1st, 2022. Dr. Edwards, who was awarded a three-year contract, has, ser has served as president of River Valley High School in Galilea County Local School District for the past seven years. 
And then, let's see, Columbus Messenger reports that Madison Plains staffers step up to help with transportation. Thank yous were issued to two Madison Plains local school employees who have lent a hand while the district searches for new transportation supervisors. The position has been vacant since late December. We're going to check our time here. Okay, we, have, we still have some time for some more stories. Just a moment while I look for the next one. I'm looking. Okay, this is from WPLNAMFM Radio, Nashville, Tennessee. A report in Tennessee programs sees fewer education graduates. Fewer students are graduating from Tennessee's 43 teaching programs, about 3,000 in 2019 to 2020, continuing a years-long state and national decline. That's, it's, that's exasperating teacher shortages, according to a State Board of Education annual report. However, the number of educators of colors is growing, says Amy Owen, Deputy Executive Director of Research and Policy for the Board. And the Madras Pioneer in Oregon reports that Oregon's school schedule creates time for support classes. The Madras High School in Oregon has created two 40-minute support seminar slots each week to help students extra help. The Flexi Shed program borrows 10 minutes from 95-minute classes on Mondays and Tuesdays to provide time for academic help, enrichment, test retakes, and study time. Assessment Principal Mark Stewart says. And um, this is from Brattleboro Reformer in Vermont. Vermont school report increase in CTE interest. Educators say interest in career and technical education programs has increased in Vermont during the coronavirus pandemic. With more, than, with more students interested in exploring potential pathways, Anne Duran, Wind, Wyndham Regional's career counselor, says they began by asking students what challenge or program they want to solve and align that interest, that interest with career opportunities. And in Idaho's state journal, the Pocatello, uh, Idaho lawmakers approved dyslexia legislation. The Idaho Senate passed legislation that supports early screening for students with dyslexia and additional training for teachers on intervention for students. Additional resources would include providing students with dyslexia learning activities tailored to their needs, including hands-on multi-sensory supports. Switching again. Okay. Middle School Smart Brief. This is from them. And it was a story covered by KFSN-TV in Fresno, California. It says uh, that a teacher created a video to honor black history. A California fourth grade teacher, Brandon Dotson, 
creates YouTube videos about notable black people events and culture, which he says spark his students' interest in their own backgrounds. Dotson says he enjoys sharing stories of triumph and has been creating the videos throughout the month of February over the past two years. And in the Register Herald in Berkeley, West Virginia, they report that a living wax museum draws students into history. West Virginia fifth graders honored a range of historical figures in the Living Wax Museum, from President Thomas Jefferson to Lizena Stanley Wilson, whose work feeding gold rush miners grew into a business. Teacher Ashley Ward said that the activity kept students engaged while be- building their research and public speaking skills. The Associated Press reported that New Mexico schools get support from the National Guard. About 80 National Guard and Air Force members in New Mexico are supporting schools experiencing workforce shortages in 36 of the state's 89 school districts. (coughs) Excuse me. Officials say... The staffing shortage worsened recently in schools, including one where roughly one-third of the teachers were out on one day because of family emergencies, illness, or training. Just a moment, I got a lot of repeats again. A lot of repeats. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, a lot. <laughs> Bear with me for a moment. I don't want to miss any, and I, I do have an order that I go in. Can we check on our time again? Okay, we have about five minutes, so... This is from the Foundation Center. This says Buffett Foundation commits $9 million to Agriculture Education Center. Established in 2018 with funding from Howard G. Buffett Foundation, the Dwayne O. Andreas Ag Academy will use its latest commitment to expand its facilities and supplement the coursework and Future Farmers of America programming. And Bristol-Myers Squibb awards $8 million in grants for health equity. As part of a five-year, $150 million investment, grants were awarded to 24 organizations working to bolster community outreach and education, increase patent, or I'm sorry, increase patient support and care coordination services and support diversity, cultural competency, and collaboration. And um, I 
Let's see. Lego Foundation launches a $140 million challenge. Managed by Lover for Change, a nonprofit associate of the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, the Build a World of Play Challenge is designed to encourage organizations to make a positive impact on the youngest children globally. And Sloan Foundation announces 2022 Research Fellowships. Awarded annually since 1955, the fellowships support innovative researchers in the fields of chemistry, computer science, earth science, earth system science, excuse me, economics, mathematics, neuroscience, and physics, with a prize of $75,000 to be spent over a two-year term on any research-related product. Bear with me. Say, is this from the same? It's still from the Foundation Center. Um, Smith Futures commit 125 million to ensure AI's positive impact. The AI 2050 initiative will support researchers from around the globe in undertaking ambitious, multidisciplinary work to address issues around artificial intelligence that are critical to get right for society to benefit from AI. And UPenn University receives $25 million for Korean studies in neurovascular surgery. The largest portion of the multifaceted commitment will provide the James Jujin Kim Center for Korean Studies and the School of Arts and Sciences. In companies, philanthropists award $10 million to combat homelessness. Funding from Amazon, Starbucks, Microsoft, Philanthropies, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Steve and Connie Ballmer, and others will be used to combat homelessness in downtown Seattle and Cities International District. And University of uh, Iowa received $70 million for new patient care building. The gift from Richard O. Jackson, or I'm sorry, O. Jack Jacobson, I'm sorry, Jacobson Foundation, the largest in the history of the university, will support the construction of a patient care building for University of Iowa hospitals and clinics. Alrighty, I think we've reached the end of today's um, show. I want to remind you that of our History of Civil Rights show that airs on Sundays with host Barbara Bullen. It always airs by, I believe it's 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then our show that on, on topics that affect you, so on Friday from Olinian Tibet, and and then my show airs Wednesdays at 6 p.m. So I hope you will listen in on some of their shows and, um, and rate our show and follow us. Until next time. We hope you we enjoyed, hope you enjoyed today's, today's show. show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page for monthly announcements and other happenings.
Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. 